I invite you to open your Bible to Genesis 12. We're going way back in the Bible to specifically show that long before Jesus, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, told his disciples to go into all the world, which is where we get most often the, the sort of missionary calling, the responsibility of all of us to evangelize and to go, long, long, long before that, there has been a pattern in how God works with his people that he often calls them to take steps in faith and to go, to leave a certain setting of comfort and security and to trust him to go to a completely new and different place and do something impactful for him in settings that are otherwise totally foreign. And that's the basis that we understand of global missions, that God would call some of us specifically to reach out and to go to people and cultures and places that are very, very different than us. And that, in fact, all of us present today are the beneficiaries of people who have been willing to do that in the past because the Bible was not given originally in English. So the reason that we have it, that you can sit there and open it and read it in the English language is because someone before us took seriously the call of God to go to a new culture where they didn't know the language, to learn that language, and then to translate the truth of God's word into that language so that you and I could read it. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 through 15 for the next five weeks, looking at the life of Abram, and seeing how God used him and called him to a specific task. Today we're just focusing on the first nine verses of chapter 12. So if you'll follow along. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. And that's where we will stop. This is a truly impactful story. Something dramatic happened in what we read is just a very, very short account. That not only Christians, but Jews and also Muslims would all consider Abram the father of their faith. That something in the ancient world happened as this person completely dislocated from one place to another that started a ripple effect of which uh, the ramifications are still being felt all the way till today. And so we want to look closely at this story, though it's fairly brief in terms of its details, but it is absolutely significant in terms of how it sets a trajectory for everything else that happens in the Bible. And we've titled this The Call today because we see it right there in verse 1 that 
the person who initiates the action is the Lord speaking to Abraham. And that's what it means when someone says, I feel called to do this or to do that. What they're saying is not that they just thought something up on their own or other people said, you know, hey, we think this is a good idea and this is what fits for you, but someone else has specifically invited them and asked them to come. They've issued a call for them to to go to a certain place or to attend a certain thing. And here as the story unfolds, it's the Lord who intervenes in human history, talks to a specific person, and then tells that person to go. And as it's initially given, he says, go to the land that I will show you, which means it was an uncertain destination. He comes in and speaks to Abram and says, go to the land I will show you. He knows where he's leaving, go from your country, go from your kindred, from your father's house, but God does not give him initially the description of where he's going. So he knows what he's leaving, but he doesn't know what he's going to. The destination is uncertain. But one commentator suggested, and I thought it was incredibly helpful to think about it, is that in this sense, when he's told to go, if you're just reading from Genesis 1 till now, Abraham, the call of Abraham would very much feel and sound like the curse of Cain. <laughs> that the only time previous to this where someone is told, hey, you've got to leave. You've got to get away from everyone you know, everything you've understood is safety and security, and you have to get out of here. You have to go to a distant land, would have been in Genesis 4, when Cain was punished for something he did wrong. Part of his punishment was banishment. Because back then, to leave your family, to leave your father's house, that was to leave all the, would have represented security and safety, that before there were large nation states and police force that roamed the streets, that you could just call 911 for help. Your sense of support, your family structure and security all came from the people that you knew. So to leave everyone you knew was to put you at serious risk. What if when you get somewhere, they're not nice to you? What if they don't welcome you? What if they don't receive you? And it was a punishment for Cain. Here, for Abram, it's a call. It is specifically what God is asking him to do. It involves risk. He has to be open to the uncertainty that is at play in all of this. And if you've ever talked to someone who's answered the call to go to global missions, they'll honestly tell you that on certain days, they aren't sure whether they're being called or cursed, (laughs) whether they're being punished or whether or not they are doing exactly what God wants them to do. Because for all of us, when we experience hardship along the way and, and difficulties, it causes us to wonder, did I really hear that right? Was I really supposed to do this? Because it doesn't seem to be now working out the way I thought. Isn't it like if I just did what God wanted, that things would be easy and simple along the way? We, we often have that perception and our expectation, but the Bible makes clear that's wrong. Abram knows that he's not being called to a life of safety. He knows he's not being called to a life of security. He is exchanging what he knows for what he doesn't know. He's exchanging what is certain and clear for what will have for him a whole lot of question marks. But God comes and he says to go, leave everything that represents prestige and power, safety and security in your world to a place that I'm going to show you. Now, while that is uncertain, what is certain is the relationship that God 
promises to him. So there's an uncertain destination, but there's a certain relationship that just in these few verses, God says he's going to do five things. I will show, I will make, I will bless, I will curse, and I will give. These are all promises that God is making to Abram. I will show, I will make, I will bless, I will curse, and I will give. So while you don't know where you're going and you don't know what trials are going to come to you along the way, I want you to know for certain that I'm going to be with you in all of these things. And I'm with you. I'm with you all the way for whatever comes. And that's one of the unique things that we believe as Christians is that God, who made the heavens and the earth, who knows all of the unknowns, is interested in a relationship with you and me. And that's what he's calling Abram into. He's inviting him into a relationship with himself to say, if, if, if you do this, if you follow me and you obey me and you're willing to leave everything and go to another place, you will get something of me and your relationship with me will go to a depth that you'd never before thought possible. You didn't know what living by faith was until you were willing to take this type of a step in faith. There are certain things that we can only learn by doing, by practicing. And if Abram's relationship with God is going to go to the level that God desires for it, then God wants to remove him from his sense of security and safety, his comfort zone, all that he knows, because he wants him to place all of that faith and derive that sense of security and knowledge from himself. And that's one of the first things that we must know and believe about the God who made us, that God is so much more interested in who we are and who we are becoming than what we do. The whole time, what he is after is our own hearts to draw us closer to himself, that he wants to know us in a unique way that we can experience him. And in order to do that, we have to rely upon him. But he is able to take whatever challenges or blessings, opportunities or difficulties, and God is saying, I'm going to be able to take all of that and work through it in a way that you are established and your family after you is established. And that's what I'm asking you to go on. No certainty about where you'll end up, but certain that I'm with you in all of it. And if you were to say to yourself, how many people would you follow (laughs) or go go to something with before you exactly knew what you were getting into? Like how many people could just text you this afternoon and say, hey, come with me, I can't give you the details, but we're going to go. I mean, if a total stranger did that and knocked on your door and said that, you'd be like, "Uh, um, excuse me, (laughs) Uh, no, I'm not going with you this afternoon. But if a good friend came to you and said, no, 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 you know something about them and your relationship with them, and they said, I want you to come with me even though I'm not telling you everything we're going to do, you'd consider it. You still might not, depending on what you know of the friend, but there's a reason that Abraham is called the friend of God. There's this relationship that says... I know enough about you, and we don't know where because we're not actually given a history up to this point of where the knowledge came from or what the relationship was like, but there is enough of it there that there is a willingness on his part to go. Certain of the promise of God, he goes. And when we actually see Abraham's behavior, it's one of just simple obedience. Verse 4, 
So Abram went. And, and we would just read that and be like, wait a minute. Shouldn't there be like a little bit more detail there? Like, did, did he consult with anyone? Did he wrestle with this for some time? Did he pray about it? Did he, what did he do? But it doesn't give us that. It just describes a simple obedience, which doesn't mean those other aspects weren't included. But at the end of the day, it is fairly simple whether or not we will listen to God or not, whether we will follow him or not, whether we're open to his leading or not. And for Abram, he was. It says he goes. And then when he gets to the land and then he's told, this is the land that I will give you, it says he builds an altar. And those are ultimately the only two responses that we have to God, obedience and worship. (laughs) We either will obey him or not, and we'll worship him or we won't. But for Abram, he's willing to do both. He obeys him. He takes the journey. He takes everyone with him in his immediate line and that's connected to his affairs. He goes to this place and he obeys. And that's the nature of it. When someone puts an invitation toward us, we have to respond. And even if our response is simply to ignore the invitation, we've basically responded. So again, if someone texts you and says, hey, I'm having dinner tonight. I'd love for you to come over. Will you come? If you don't respond to that, you've kind of responded, right? You've made clear you're not coming because they've taken the initiative. They've said, I'm doing something. I've got something I want to do. I want you to be a part of it. And so we're not left with then the opportunity of no response. Even a no response indicates something about our hearts, And here the statement is that God has made an initiated action in Abraham's life. He wants him to do something. And he either has to obey or not obey. Now, simply because that's the case, that doesn't mean there won't be a lot of difficult situations along the way. There's going to be a complex fulfillment to this simple obedience. When Abram gets to the land, it's occupied territory. And it says, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. So when he started the journey, there are certain things unknown. He's not very far into the journey, and now he knows some things. He's told that this is the land, and he sees in the land that it's occupied by the Canaanites. So here again, we'd wonder, okay, so what did he think? Like, wait a minute, God. You you said you were going to show me something. I was willing to obey and now, this is what you're showing me? I, I, I thought there'd be a little, bit, a little bit more to it than this. I mean, this looks dangerous. This looks scary. I mean, it's, it's bad enough that I, I had to leave everything, but now this is what I'm looking at. And for most of us, we would wonder, what is God up to? I had the difficult task yesterday of trying to get uh, my older son away from a whole bunch of activities and games that he was playing at an amusement park for a birthday party. And so we're on the last ride. We've used up all of our tickets. And so I'm like, hey, this is our last ride. We're leaving after this, which did not garner a great response. You know, "Ah!" and I said, no, how do I, okay, how do I get out of here without having that response the whole way? Because there's a lot of people and I don't necessarily want them to see all the kicking and screaming along the way. So I said, I can't just repeat the fact that we're leaving. That, that'll escalate the situation. So I said, oh, the next ride we're going on, it's even bigger and faster than this. Oh. I said, we're going on a Honda. Said, 
a Honda. I said, yeah, we're going on a Honda. It's bigger than this. It's faster than this. That's the next ride we're going on. We get all the way out to the park. The lady's there to say goodbye. I'm like, give her a high five and tell her where you're going. High five. I'm going to a Honda. <laughs> we walk outside, looking at the parking lot. He's like, where is, where, where is this? Where is this? And then we get to the car, and then the response happens. But no one's around anymore <laughs> to see the response. That, and surely Abraham would have had some kind of a, a sense of like, wait a minute, God, you're... You're promising me all this stuff. You're showing me this. But now I feel like this is a bait and switch. I mean, this is land occupied by the Canaanites. What are you doing? But here again, it's partly, it's exactly because it's a difficult task that Abram is going to learn things about himself and about God that he never would. If it was just, we're not back in Eden anymore, where here's two people and here's the world and just go subdue it. The world is occupied, and anything you or I are going to do is going to have to negotiate the fact that there are other people in the world who think differently than us, who do things differently than us, and even our simple obedience to God and whatever he calls us to do is going to be incredibly complex. But these verses reveal some pretty insightful things about Abram. It tells us how old he is when this happens. He's 75 years old when this message comes to him. So he's fairly well established in his life. And he's actually very successful. It says it in chapter 13, but you can kind of pick up on it already in chapter 12. But if you don't believe me, just look in chapter 13, verse 12, verse 2. It says, now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So he's 75 years old and incredibly wealthy. So that when he leaves, it says that he takes... Uh, his nephew with him, his wife with him, and any people that have been acquired. So basically, he's this successful business owner, and all of his business is going with him. All of his sheep, all of his crop, any, anyone that would have taken care of the animals with him, the whole group goes with him and makes this journey, which is part of what creates the reverberation throughout human history. Just like even today, when whole companies decide to leave an area, and then all of a sudden, thousands of people who thought they had a job have to decide, well, do I go with the job or do I look for another one? But when when someone makes a decision to just uproot everything, there's significance when you're an individual and do that. But when you're an individual who's very, very wealthy and employs a lot of people, and now all of those people have to move with you in order to keep their jobs... That's complicated. That's not easy. But some of the things that we learn is that clearly if the purpose of life was simply to acquire wealth, Abram had already done it. He was already wealthy. If the purpose of life was to acquire social status among your peers in your society, Abram already had it. If the purpose of life was to find the love of your life and to be married for a really, really long time, Abram already had it. He's not taking this journey because he's somehow lacking something. And he, there's nothing else he can do, and so he's kind of open to a life change. That's not what he's doing. It is God coming into his life and saying all of those things, they're good, they're blessings. And he's actually able to take almost all of them with him when he goes. But God is saying even in all of those things, if the purpose of all of that 
is only for yourself, then it's pretty meaningless. If the purpose of your status and the purpose of your wealth and the purpose of your marriage, and the, if all of that just eventually comes back to you, you're going to miss out on why you are put on the planet. But if you can come to understand that all of those things, good in and of themselves, are not sufficient and point to something even greater, which is me, then you're going to start out on a journey about discovering what life is all about. But he's lived long enough to kind of enjoy the fruit of his labor. And so clearly there must be something more in God's mind about why we are here and why he created us than simply acquiring notoriety or wealth or prestige or relationship. And Abram, at 75 years old, has to be open to that. To say, in everything I have, God, is there more that you want from me? Is there something that you want to do with all of this that I've never thought about, but maybe you, you have a plan for? Like, he, he's done everything he can do. And there's an exchange here of his best versus God's best. To say, if, if I'm writing the script and the story of my life and what I'm trying to accomplish, I think I've done quite a bit. And God's saying, but I can do something so much greater. Something so much better. That all of those things just point to something else. And if you're willing to enter into a relationship with me and to get to know me in a unique way, and get to know the giver behind all of those gifts, then you'll experience a depth and a reality of life that prior to you never would have had. But so many times we receive the gifts of God in such a way that we then take them and run and we neglect the relationship that God desires behind them in the first place. So if you just imagine some guy taking the time and effort to pick out a ring and giving it to a girl, and then she says, thanks for the ring, and I never want to talk to you again. You'd be like, what? Wait a minute. That gift was, was meant, I mean, it, it, it's a gift. It's, it's something of value, but the value is so much more than just what it was purchased for. It, it's meant behind it to, that there's a relationship that exists that there are ongoing implications to it, not that you would just take it and run with it. And with God, he gives us all kinds of gifts, all kinds of blessings in this world. And we, like Abram, have to decide whether or not those gifts become things that we eventually hold on to ourselves and we only use for our purposes, or if we carry open-handed and say, God, if you've given this to me, what do you want with it? But it's yours. My life is yours. My wealth is yours. My time is yours. My company is yours. All of this is yours. But if we don't have that posture before God, then as a category, global missions doesn't make sense. (laughs) Because why would you leave one place where all your safety and security is to go somewhere where you don't know? Unless in humble obedience before the Father, you say to him and acknowledge, everything I have is from you. Even on my best day, I didn't earn all this stuff. And so I want to know what you want to do with it. And I want to exchange my best for your best. I want you to write the story of my life. I want you to write the story of my family. And I want the assurance that you will show me. You'll make something. You'll bless me. You'll curse those who curse me. And you will give what only 
you can give. And that's a challenge for us. Whether we consider the possibility in the present day of going to another country or not, the Bible brings home that challenge to each and every one of us as it relates to our own souls. Are we open before God with our whole lives to follow him, to obey him, to do what he would have us to do? Or do we take the things that God has given us to run from him? And we'll see what happens in Abram's life in the chapters ahead. It's not all easy. There's lots of complex, it's complex fulfillment. We'll see that in detail over the next couple of weeks. But the question for him initially and for us initially is our posture in our heart before our heavenly father. Are we closed-fisted or open-handed? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for all of the blessings that you pour out to us. We thank you that you do desire a relationship with us, that though you have everything and that you need nothing, that you would come to us and invite us into a relationship not just for our own sake, but so that others could be blessed, that just like in Abram, that you desired that all the families of the earth to be blessed, that you desire to use us in some way to bless others. We pray that you would rescue us from thinking that our only joy or fulfillment could come from satisfying all of our needs or being safe and secure in all of our settings. And we pray that you would give us individually and collectively a posture before you that is open-handed with everything that you have given. That we would truly give you a blank check to write the story of our lives, believing that you could write a story so much better than we ever could. In your son's name we pray, amen.